The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. It really is kind of staggering to think about what's going on in the world around us. And uh, I, I do believe that as we think about all of those things, that there is a responsibility for each one of us to yield to the Holy Spirit in such a way that He can move in our lives and bring about a, a change. And I think about all of the great awakenings that have happened in the history of our country, which, which there was such a spiritual move of the Lord that it just swept across the entire country. And I think about how fun it would be to be a part of that. And I believe that it's possible today. I believe the Lord wants to move in that, that capacity. But again, I think it's us yielding to what He is calling us to in obedience. And I, I think as we turn to the passage of Scripture today in Ephesians chapter 5, where we once again unpack this letter that is written to the church it is a letter that is a general letter. It's not dealing with any type of problem that is going on in the church when it was written. It is written by Paul as he's in prison. And he's basically articulating underneath the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit what the purpose of the church is. And so we've learned that we are these spiritually wealthy people, that we are spiritual billionaires, that Christ has given us every blessing that we could ever imagine, and they are ours because we know Him if we do know Him, and we have come into a relationship where we're born again and we are walking with Him. All of this um, spiritual wealth is at our disposal to spend. How we draw on it is up to us and the freedom that we give the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. And so we've, we've learned about that. We've learned about how we move from um, all that is promised to now what is practical as we get into the latter half uh, of the letter in chapters uh, 4, 5, and 6. And so as we, as we do that, we come to this, this passage like last week we were dealing with the futility of thought. That we, we don't want to be people who think in a futile way about truth and about the things of the Lord and about the Word of God. And so, so Paul kind of dives in a little bit further, and as we dive in today, um, I'm reminded of pictures. <laughs> and a picture is, they say, worth a thousand words, right? And a bad picture is not, right? Like a bad picture, especially if you see a moment and you take that picture and all of a sudden you look um, at the, you know, used to be that we would get the film developed and we would see it, we'd be so excited. But now we just instantly look and we miss the moment. It is so disappointing. And so today, I think, uh, as we dive into the text, we're going to learn about spiritual photography. Okay, so let me just give a disclaimer here. I do a little uh, videography, okay, and I know just a little bit. As a matter of fact, I have to call Corey quite often. If you did not know, Corey is a very accomplished photographer. Um, he, he knows his stuff. And so a lot of times I have to call him and I have to ask questions. And I have to read a lot of tutorials. And so I, am, I would not even consider myself an amateur. I am someone who knows how to turn a camera on and try to capture images. And I know a little bit about the camera. Um, and that is a video camera. I don't hardly know anything about um, a, you know, a DSLR. Or at least I know what one is, right? Uh, and so th there are all these different um, types of settings that we can use to um, capture these incredible images that are happening all around us. And so as we dive into the text, we're going to learn about spiritual photography. And here's, here's the first takeaway for today. Dear church, your life is a picture of Jesus. 
Now, this is a fascinating thing to think about. Because when we think of pictures, we think of, man, like, here's a picture of my brother. And if I had a picture of my brother and I threw it up, you go, oh, yeah, I see. There are similarities between you and your brother. You're, you're, you're a little taller. Uh, or maybe your, other, your younger brother is a little shorter than both of you and your older brother. And, and so on and so forth. You would see the picture of our family. And the scripture teaches us is that we are a picture of Jesus. And the whole letter to the Ephesians is about the church, the body of Christ, which is a picture of Christ. It is the physical representation of Christ on the planet as he rules and reigns in each one of our lives. In verse 1 of our text in chapter 5, he says, be imitators of God. That word imitators is the word mimetes, and it means basically imitate. You imitate who God is. Therefore, he says, be imitators, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Dearly loved children, here we get that word again, tekna, and it means those who are born of. And so he says, dearly loved children, those born of God want to imitate their father. My dad, like one of the things I, that is, is just a, it is a Holbrook trait. All of my grandpa's brothers, I think he had five brothers, they were all this way. My grandfather was this way, my dad is this way, and I am this way. And we love to tease. Like, it's just something, man, that is part of the Holbrook DNA. And I saw my dad do it. And so I immediately, at a young age, started developing the ability to imitate my dad. Things my dad would do, I did. My dad played basketball. I wanted to play basketball. Everything my dad did, I looked up to my dad, and I wanted to imitate everything about him. And that's the idea that um, Paul has in mind when the Holy Spirit uses him to pen this letter is that we are to imitate our Father. We portray, portray Christ to people who don't know Him, and that is awesome. And so he says to us, Dearly loved children, live a life of love. And as we live that life of love, we are surrendering ourselves just as Christ surrendered Himself, himself to the Lord on the cross of Calvary. We become a fragrant offering to the Lord. The word behind that word fragrant is the word euodia, and it means a sweet-smelling thing, okay? And so I'm reminded in the Old Testament of the, when God gave the law to the Israelites. One of the things as he set aside the priesthood of the Levitical priesthood of the Levites, they were to burn incense, and the incense was to uh, be a sweet-smelling savory. They would burn the sacrifice, and the scent of the sacrifice would rise to the Lord. It was all a foreshadowing of what it was to be like when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in the life of a believer, and we die to ourselves. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross daily and die to yourself. Why? So that you can become a sweet-smelling sacrifice and offering unto the Lord. And so as a picture of Christ, what we're doing is dying to ourselves on a daily basis so that in that moment of sacrifice and surrender to the Lord, we need to visualize that I am dying to myself, and as I die to myself, there is a part of the old me that is being burned off on a daily basis so that the new me in Christ is rising unto the Lord as a sweet-smelling offering that is fragrant, euodia. It is a sweet-smelling thing unto the Lord. So here's the deal. You are a picture of Jesus. 
And so when we hear that, Paul goes into some very aggressive stuff. I mean, he dives deep into sin, and, and he lists some of them out. It is not an exhaustive list of all sin. I think he's trying to get the attention of the church and show us some things that we certainly ought not have going on in our lives. And he tells us some things that we are to have going on in our lives. And the te- second takeaway is, dear church, properly expose the picture. Like, you are a picture of Jesus. If you say, I know Jesus, I have been born again of the Spirit, then you are a picture of Christ. And the call of the Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 is to properly expose the picture that you are providing for the world to see. Now, let's look at verses 3 through 14, and you'll begin to see where Paul is getting very aggressive, and now he's talking to the church. He says, But among you, There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness. Now, I think it's interesting here. He doesn't say you once walked in darkness. He says you once were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out, he says, find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so we look at this and we begin to unpack it and we stick with this metaphor of photography. The two two essential pillars in photography is aperture and shutter speed. And so what is aperture? Well, aperture is like a pupil in your eye. The aperture is the opening on the lens. And so the opening in the lens that opens up and allows the light to come in. And your aperture setting, for those of you who are amateurs like myself and you want to take better photos, as you adjust the aperture on your camera, you're adjusting how large that hole is that lets light in. And so you, um, now I think what's interesting is I believe the lower the setting, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, the larger the opening, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And the higher the the number on your camera, the... um, Lower the, who cares, okay? The idea is, is that there, it is a hole in the lens that opens up and allows light to come in. That is your aperture. The second thing that is critical is your shutter speed. 
And that's the length of time this little window opens and lets the light in. And so you click your shutter speed, and if you have your shutter speed longer, it opens longer. If it's a darker setting, to allow more light to come in so that the sensor can record what it is that you're trying to photograph, whatever that subject is. And so we look at these two things, and those two things, there's another setting, but I'm not going to get into it because I don't understand it, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter for the metaphor, right? And so, like, on these two things, they're very critical in order to be able to take good pictures. And, and so when we look at this, if you underexpose the picture, it is too dark. If you overexpose the picture, it is too bright. So what I think is going on here as we look at this and go, okay, how does this, how does this metaphor play out for what Paul is trying to teach us here as he's talking about this darkness and this light in our lives? If we are underexposed, the picture is too dark to see Jesus. That's why he says there should not be any hint of sexual immorality among you. Yet we see that there is a hint of sexual immorality among the church in America. Like, it is not a big deal. Like, whenever like we, we talk about sex outside of marriage, and immediately, what do we say that is? Old-fashioned. No, it's not. It's biblical. Amen. Yeah, it's biblical. It's the Word of God. And so why does, the, why does the Word challenge us in this capacity? It challenges us in this capacity because Paul is saying, look, man, if you are a believer in Christ and you're participating in stuff like that, then you are underexposing the picture and the world looks at it and it's too dark for them to see Jesus. You are no longer darkness, he says, so don't walk that way. And then he lists a whole other things. Okay, so I picked one of them, but he's trying to say to us, it's, it's anything that would underexpose the picture that we're trying to portray for the world. And so we, we look at how we're greedy, we look at how we eat, we look at how we treat people. All of these things are extremely important, and if we are underexposed, the picture is too dark for the people that we're walking through life with to be able to get a glimpse of Jesus. And so he says, look, don't walk in darkness. you got to make sure that you don't do that. But here's the danger. You can be overexposed. You could be overexposed within a, a picture as well. And if you overexpose the picture, there's too much light that comes in, and it makes the picture too bright. And you may still be able to see the image, but it is not really something that is desirable to look at. It can become very grainy. It doesn't show all of the detail of the moment that you were trying to portray. And so we, we don't want to be overexposed. And so I think what, what is happening is, is we are underexposed when we are walking in darkness, and we are overexposed when we are trying to introduce light that Jesus isn't shining at the moment. There are a lot of people who will try to manufacture moments of the Lord that is not a moment of the Lord. And so because they're not using the spiritual gift of discernment, they're actually using truth to push people further away from the kingdom. And this is why sometimes people get labeled as Bible thumpers. It is not because what they're saying is not true. It is because the moment that they're saying it is not a moment that the Holy Spirit has carved out for it to be said. And so they rush ahead of their prophetic gifting. Remember we talked about the fivefold ministry of the Spirit. And, and one of the things is that a person who's wired like a prophet, not a prophet like the Old Testament prophet, but just the, 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 the spiritual gifting of being able to recognize truth. When, when you're wired that way, man, 
you can overexpose a picture of Christ and you can push too hard too soon at the wrong moment and you're not able for a person to receive the picture that Jesus is wanting portrayed for them at that moment. So walking with the Lord Jesus Christ is about properly exposing the picture that is being portrayed in our lives. And when we properly expose, people see Jesus and appreciate the picture. They want to look at it. They want to be around it. If we're underexposed, we don't look like, like any different than them. They can't even see Jesus because the image is too dark and it just looks like something that's black. If we're overexposed, you can't appreciate it and you don't even really want to look at it. But when we're properly exposed, it captivates us. We're interested. We want to know more. We're drawn to it like an artist who paints a painting. We see it and we go, I want to look at that a little more. And so that's the idea that Paul has in mind here. Do not walk in darkness. Find out what the will of God is. Walk in light because you are now in light and learn to understand how to properly expose your life so that a picture of Christ can be portrayed for those who are living in and around you or around you and, and, and with you and in your home. In, in your place of employment, uh, the, the places that you go to uh, recreate, wherever that may be, we want to always understand, listen, my life is a picture of Christ. I want to properly expose it. I don't want to be underexposed and it look dark. I don't want to be overexposed and I look like a self-righteous person that is pushing people away from me. I want to be right up behind Jesus and I want to snap a good quality image of who He is in my life at that moment. Now here's the third takeaway. So we look at it and we go, dear church, your life it's a picture of Jesus. Dear church, properly expose the picture. And the third takeaway is, dear church, capture the kairos. Look at verse 15 and 16. Be very careful, he says, then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now what's fascinating is about this word opportunity is the word kairos. And the word kairos is a word, of, it's a word to describe time, but it's not like the word that is often used to describe like time that we would use to, for our watch. That would be the word chronos. And so we know in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he uses the word intentionally there. The word is used of kairos. It's a new in kind. It's not a new in time. So he says, make most of the opportunity. Use wisdom and make the most of every opportunity, every kairos that is new in kind in your life. So opportunity here is kairos, and that is a moment in which the kingdom is breaking out in your life. And so there are moments that happen in our lives where the kingdom is trying to break out. We talked about having baptism on, on Easter Sunday. And if you've never followed the Lord in baptism after you've become a born-again child of God and the kingdom is trying to break out in your life in baptism, that is a moment, that is a kairos moment. Um, if you feel the Lord calling you to surrender a particular area of your life, maybe, maybe you're struggling and you know the Holy Spirit has pointed out sin in your life and you see it right there and that is a kairos moment and you feel conviction over it and it has your attention. And so what we can do in these kairos moments is we can walk 
walk up to them and we can look at them and we can observe them and then we can walk right by. Or we can make the most up of every opportunity with wisdom, not being unwise, but being wise, and we can capitalize on the kairos. And in that moment, something very significant happens with the kingdom. Great pictures are all about capturing moments. As a matter of fact, you can be an amateur photographer and you can be at the right place at the right time with the right settings on your camera and you can pull the trigger and the next thing you know, you could be on the cover of Time magazine. Just depends. Just depends on whether you snapped the right photo. That's what's going on in the kingdom is that there are moments happening and we have to realize that these moments are Kairos moments. And when they happen in our lives, we have to be effective at pulling the trigger with the right adjustment of the speed and the aperture of our spiritual lives that we snap the kairos and the kingdom actually breaks out of our lives. That's what I was talking about earlier in my prayers. We're praying for the country and we say, man, what the country needs is revival. And the only way revival can happen is when the believers, the followers of Jesus, get really serious about capturing the Kairos moments in their lives. And as they capture the Kairos moments in their lives, then all of a sudden the kingdom breaks out of their lives and they feel and experience joy. The people who are walking with the Lord around them feel and experience that joy. As they share the Kairos moments with each other that have been captured, then all of a sudden this incredible thing begins to take place and movement happens in the kingdom. Movement in the kingdom is not about how many people come to church. Movement in the kingdom is about how much of the kingdom is breaking out in the church's life. And we've mistaken the two. We have mistaken the fact that a big church means the kingdom is breaking out. It doesn't mean that. Like you can have ginormous crowds and, and the kingdom not breaking out in everybody and you don't have revival. You, you have something, hopefully, that is happening that is impacting the world for good. But the truth of the matter is, is the New Testament theology is that the kingdom is breaking out in every single one of our lives and we're allowing that freedom to happen and we're getting good at capturing the Kairos moments and all of a sudden we see the kingdom moving in a way that we've never witnessed it before. And that brings us to the big idea. Dear church, set your life to music. Dear church, set your life to music. So we look at this. He says, dear church, your life is a picture of Christ. Dear church, properly expose the picture. Dear church, capture the kairos. And the big idea, as we see in verse 17 through 20, is dear church, set your life to music. And we see that he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. A movie without the soundtrack is ridiculous. I don't know if you've seen the, 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 the little clip of the Star Wars, original Star Wars floating around social media, and they play it without the soundtrack. It's, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. You're like, how could that same scene be what I experienced when I watched the movie and it be so weak in this moment? You could take a slideshow of pictures and you can watch them and all of a sudden you pick out a song and you throw them on those pictures and what happens is emotions 
begin to flood and you can begin to shed tears immediately as you watch and listen to the song because the picture has been set to music. That's the idea that Paul has in mind here. He says, when you set your life to the proper music, then all of a sudden what happens is the Spirit will break forth in us in spiritual songs. So he says, be not drunk with wine. But be ye filled with the Spirit. What does he mean by that? He means that we don't need to look to a chemical substance to inebriate us to make sense of the world that we're living in. If we're capturing the kairos and making the most of every moment and the kingdom of God is breaking out in our lives, then all of a sudden, then we will begin to see the Spirit breaks forth in our lives with song. He says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you start doing this, this is the natural result that will happen. The Spirit of God will just make a melody in your heart. And I'm reminded of a song, and forgive me if you will, my son told me I needed to do this, so I will. And I'm reminded of an old hymn. And it goes like this, because I think this is what Paul has in mind. There's within my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still, in all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown, I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. That... Listen, that's it. Like, that's it. Like, that's, that's what's going on in my heart. There's within my heart a melody, and it comes forth from the Spirit. And, 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 and when I walk with other believers who are singing that melody, and those Kairos moments are happening for them, it's like all of a sudden we're, we're kindred spirits. Uh, one of the things I appreciate uh, about Corey is, is that very thing. There's within his heart a melody. Shay and Molly have been a tremendous blessing to our church. What is it that makes Shay and Molly a blessing? There within their heart is a melody. Now, here's the deal. is The Lord has put us together and assembled us as a body of believers in order that we might make music in our hearts and the only way to make the music is that we realize that we are pictures of Christ we properly expose the picture we capture the kairos and all of a sudden we will set our hearts our lives to music and guess what happens people look at us and they go man like there's something going on 
something going on with those people over there at OPCC. They seem like they have life. You know why they're saying that? Because we have life. We don't want to be a dead church. We want to be a church that is not just growing because it's a popular place to be, but a church that is built on the foundation of the Word of God and the Spirit of God is just breaking out in us. And it's contagious. And people are drawn to it. And Jesus begins to reign in the hearts and lives of believers. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.